We are in John chapter 4, verse 19. Um, we are in the middle of a conversation Jesus is having with a woman at the well. Uh, we'll start at verse 19, and we're going to read to verse 26. Um, this conversation is so, like, meaty. There's so much good stuff here that um, we're going to actually do, like, this is kind of like part two from last week. We're even going to have a part three next week to get all of, of Jesus' conversation with her. So we're reading verse 19 to 26. Let's do it. The woman said to him, Sir, I perceive that you are a prophet. This is a good understatement there. Our fathers worshiped on this mountain. She's in Samaria. But you say that in Jerusalem is the place where people ought to worship. Jesus said to her, Woman, believe me, the hour is coming when neither on this mountain nor in Jerusalem will you worship the Father. You worship what you do not know. We worship what we know, for salvation is from the Jews. But the hour is coming and is now here, listen, this is so important, when tr- the true worshipers will worship the Father in spirit and truth. For the Father is seeking such people to worship him. God is spirit, and those who worship him must worship in spirit and truth. The woman said to him, I know that Messiah is coming, he who is called Christ. When he comes, he will tell us all things. Jesus said to her, I who speak to you am he. Let's pray. Jesus, I'm just so thankful for your word, God, that we can open up your word and we can know that we know what we read there. Like this is real truth, God breathed, like Holy Spirit inspired, it's perfect. And Lord, what when we just have a lot of questions and there's a lot of confusion and there's so much just information and many things happening, Lord, I just thank you that we can come to you in your word and it's, it's something is solid and it's true and it's clear. And God, I thank you that it is your word that you, you speak to us through. It's the sword of the spirit. It's what the Holy Spirit uses to speak to us. And so, Holy Spirit, we just say, come in this room, fill this room, use your word like a sword. And would you just, graciously cut away what needs to go and convict us fresh of our sin and then show us the love of God in Jesus that though we have sinned, God loves us and sent his son for us to die for us, to take all our sins. So Holy Spirit, just come and do what you do as we study your word now. Would, would this be living and active? Would this not just be some dead, dry, boring talk, Lord? But would this, because this is your word, be just alive? Would you speak to us now? Help me, God. I, I'm so inadequate to communicate what is here, but, but you're, you're enough and your word is enough. So meet with us now. It's in Jesus' name. Amen. Okay, so in the middle of this conversation, Jesus starts talking about worship. Okay, worship. Now, worship is honestly, it's a fascinating phenomenon. Uh, like, People, you maybe even heard this, like if a picture an alien came or somebody who's not from earth came and just looked at humans and looked at how we worship, they would see like really weird things. Like if you were uh, to go to Asia, you would probably predominantly see people sitting up little shrines and like flowers to like little statues, right? And that was like, that'd be very common. Then you go to the Middle East 
And there would be this, there'd be thousands of people like around this big black box, like this cube in the middle. Like, okay, that's interesting. And then you go to North America and you would see people gathering in huge open air arenas, dressed in the same colors, singing songs together and cheering for people as they move like a ball around. They'd be like, oh, interesting. That's worship here in North America. Then even among Christians, just among specifically Christians, right? Because everybody worships, uh, other religions worship, but specifically Christians, If you go to South America, you'll probably see loud, expressive worship. If you go to Africa, you're going to see people worshiping outside under a tree, usually. If you go to Europe, you're going to see people really quiet, but they're these large, amazing buildings. And if you go to America, like we kind of like, we have some loud, we have some quiet. We gather in these like dark gray warehouses. Like that's just interesting. Like we, worship is interesting. We do weird, interesting things. Now, Jesus is, is talking to this woman. This is like a mission trip of Jesus. He specifically left uh, Jerusalem, went to Samaria, which was this unusual place for a Jew to go. And he specifically came for this woman, for this conversation. And it was so important that John the apostle wrote almost an entire chapter on this interaction with Jesus and this woman. And it's profound. Last week, they were talking about living water and what satisfies. And Jesus is like, man, if you come to me, I will give you water and you will never be thirsty again. In fact, what I give you will be like a spring bubbling up from within you. And then tonight, their conversation, and specifically what we're looking at is all about worship. What is true worship? What is false worship? worship look like? And and we're going to specifically spend a lot of time on verse 23. It's profound. There's many things there. So look at verse 23. Jesus is talking to her and he says, the hour is coming and is now here when the true worshipers will worship the father in spirit and truth for the father is seeking such people to worship him. We're just going to kind of break that down. So the first thing he says that we need to notice is he says, when true worshipers will worship. Jesus says right here, hey, worship is not created equal. There's like true worship, and then there's false worship. You see that? He says, when the true worshipers, which means there are untrue worshipers. Now, like, what is worship? Just a quick note on worship. Everybody worships regardless of who you believe, what you believe, what religion you are. We were created as human beings. We are inherently worshipers. Like, if you, if you want a metaphor, like our heart is like a little throne room and there is always something on the throne there. That's just, that's just how a human is made. So, you know, it may be God, it may be yourself, it may be other people, it may be pleasure. It could be any number of things, but you could boil down all of your decisions to worship, to what your heart wants and what is on the throne of your heart. Okay, one of the things I struggle to not worship is my stomach. I'll just admit that. I love food. I love in and out I would eat there every day. And that's actually like a worship thing, honestly. It's like, man, how can I stop eating in that? Well, I need to stop worshiping my stomach. There needs to be something other than just my stomach on that little throne, like maybe living for a long time, or I don't know, it's just something else needs to be there. But everything we do, you can boil it down to worship. Where do you seek pleasure? Where do you seek purpose? Where do you seek fulfillment? That's worship. We all are worshipers. Yet Jesus says true worshipers. So there is, is, we all worship, but there is something that Jesus talks about as true worship, true worshipers. And what is that? Well, look at verse 23. When true worshipers will worship what? The Father. 
will worship the Father. What is true worship? True worship is worship of the Father, of the God of the universe. That is true worship. True worship is worship of the Father. Now, it's interesting because in verse 22, Jesus calls this woman out. He just pretty rude almost says, you worship what you do not know. He just straight up says, you don't even know who you're worshiping. Now that statement is true for many people on this planet. People worship who they don't even know. Even, even uh, I, I've, I don't know if you've ever traveled to the Middle East, but I've been to the Middle East. And the hardest, the hardest part of being there for me is seeing these devout, radical worshipers of like the one true God. They would say, this is, I'm worshiping the one true God. I'm worshiping the Father. And seeing that they're worshiping what they don't know. That is so heartbreaking. Like if you've been to like uh, the Temple Mount and there's like the, the, what's it called? The wall, the Wailing Wall, Western Wall. And you see people are literally crying and like writing little prayers and putting it in there. And like the Jewish people are just crying out to God. And if you're a Christian and you know the truth, you're like, they are worshiping who they don't even know. Like that is so hard. And then Islam, if you look at Muslims, they're also saying, now we worship the one true God, but they don't even know him. Like they're seeking to worship the Father. Yet Jesus has the audacity to say to people, you worship what you don't know. And here's, a, this is like a mission trip for Jesus. We can learn about how to do missions well through this story. Here's a missions note. If you love someone you will ultimately have to confront their false worship. If you truly love someone and they're not walking with Jesus, you will have to say, you worship what you don't even know. You have to say, if man, honestly, if you love a Jewish person enough, you will say, there's something truer, there's something better. And if you love, if, you, if you're gonna like give your life to pursuing like, the Muslim people, you're going to have to say, you, you're worshiping what you don't even know. Jesus loved this woman enough to say your worship is false. And now, like, it, it can be really overwhelming. Honestly, when you go and see other cultures and other worshipers, you're like, this is, there's no hope. This is so depressing. Um, and I just want you to know and remind us there is hope. Uh, one of my favorite verses on missions is Psalm 4610, which we all know for the first half. It says, be still and know that I am God. I love that because God's like, hey, be still. I'm God. And guess what he says next in that verse? I will be exalted among the nations. I will be exalted in the earth. I love that. He's like, hey, be still. Don't freak out. I'm gonna be exalted. In the world, in the nations, I will be. It's not a question of are you gonna go or not or what if you do it wrong or what if people, like, I'm gonna do it. I'm gonna get it done. We get to be included in that, but the first thing we have to do is be still and know he's God and he loves the world and all the nations and every tribe and tongue and so he's gonna get it done. And I just love, that's where you have to start. If you feel called to missions, that's where you gotta start. Be still and know God. Know God is God and you are not. And he's going to get it done. And then another piece of hope um, 
this is something that I love that God is doing in the Middle East and everywhere, but specifically among the Muslim people. Uh, people are literally, you guys, having visions of Jesus. And they don't know who he is. And they see Jesus in a vision, and there's stories of essentially Jesus like, hey, you need to find out who I am. And then he's gone. And they're like, what was that? Because Jesus, the way Jesus saves people is through his people, but he's creating like a hunger where they're like, I need to figure out who this guy is. And then picture you're some missionary, you don't know anything. And you're like, hey, you know Jesus? And like, yeah, I saw him in vision. Tell me about him. Like that is actually happening. Like God has got it. God's got the world. He's got the nations in his hand. And so don't be depressed over like, man, there's, there's a lot of hard, people aren't believing the right things. There's like, God's got it. So we need to be still and know that he's God. But if we love someone, we do have to say, hey, you are worshiping what you do not know. So true worship is worshiping the Father. Now look again at verse 23. The first thing, there's true worshipers. They worship the Father. How do, what is true worship? In spirit and truth. Okay, true worship is worshiping the Father, the one true God, in spirit and truth. Okay, now I have to make, um, I didn't know if I was going to tell you guys this, but I'll tell you this. I love this verse, and I've loved this verse for many years. And uh, I use this verse to say something um, that is true all the time, namely that our worship has to be full of the Holy Spirit and full of the Word of God. Like, you can't separate them. You'll probably hear me say that, like, Word and Spirit, like, those things go together. We have to keep the Holy Spirit and His gifts and His power married to the word of God. He like wrote it. You have to keep those things together, spirit and truth. And that's true. That's in the Bible. Like 1 Thessalonians 1.5 says, the gospel came to you not only in word, but also in power and in the Holy Spirit with full conviction. Like the spirit and the word go together. One more, I just, this is so good and I love this. Have you guys ever heard of uh, the vision of the dry bones in Ezekiel? It's just a valley full of dead bones everywhere. And then God tells Ezekiel, hey, prophesy my word to the bones. And he does. And all the bones like come together and they're like standing there. So he just spoke the word. And what does the word do? Well, it brings like order and structure. But something was missing. Does anybody know what was missing? The bones were dead. And he says, okay, now prophesy to the, to the breath, to the wind. And then the wind, like this wind comes and it fills these bones and they come alive. And I just love that picture because we need the word of God and we need the spirit of God. The word brings order and truth and the spirit brings life. And if you're just only pursuing the word, well, you may be in order, but you, you may be dead on the inside. And if you only love the spirit, well, the wind's gonna come, but nothing's in order. And like, you can't move because the bones aren't together. Like we need the spirit and truth together. And I used to look at this verse and be like, oh yes, spirit and truth. True worship is in spirit and truth. But I have to tell you something. When I was studying, that's not what this verse means. And it broke my heart. I was like, what? This is my favorite verse. And this is true. And I love the, the spirit and the truth together. Um, and I just have to be honest with you guys as I was studying like the context and even like the Greek and some Bible translators and some different things, I realized, oh my gosh, this is like my favorite verse. And it doesn't mean what I thought it meant. Um, and I just wanted to tell you that because that happens sometimes and that's okay. That should happen. Like we don't all know everything that we should know. So I want us to see what is... Jesus talking about here, worship in spirit and truth. Well, first of all, that word spirit in Greek is pneuma, and it simply just means breath or spirit. And uh, it can refer to either the Holy Spirit, same word for the Holy Spirit, and our spirit, like we have a spirit. And so you need, you'd have to look a little bit more to the context. Okay, so is this talking about the Holy Spirit or is this talking about our spirit? Now, um, how many of your Bibles 
in verse 23, the word spirit has a lowercase s. How many of your Bibles? Like many of ours, right? How many, does anybody's have a capital S? So you guys notice that? Okay, real quick. So look around. If you have a lowercase s, raise your hand. And if you have an uppercase s, raise your hand. Isn't that interesting? Okay, what does that mean? That means Bible translators who know these languages really, really well disagree on what this verse means, okay? Now, that's crazy and it can be unnerving sometimes, but that's okay. Uh, We're gonna keep reading and looking because either way, it is true, but we wanna be like really faithful to what was John meaning? What does the Holy Spirit mean when he gave us this verse, okay? So when you're looking at a word and then and you're not sure exactly what it means, you look to context. You guys have probably heard that. Um, well, what is the context of this verse? Well, Jesus was just talking about, um, and, and actually, actually, I want to say one more thing before I get specific. Um, I want that verse to mean Holy Spirit, but I don't have the right to just say that. That's what it means. And there are times when we have to let the Bible say what the Bible says, even if it's not like what we wish it would say. Um, I can't just interpret the Bible to say what I want. And that's just really important. And so uh, this would have been an awesome, different sermon if it meant what I want, but that's just not what this says. Um, and it's just re- important to remember, Paul said in, in, to Timothy in 2 Timothy, hey, there, the time's gonna come when people are gonna look for teachers who tell them what they want to hear, who have itching ears and just say, hey, tell me what I want to hear from the Bible. And that's just, that is not what is being faithful to God's word. And so, um, you know, we have to let the word of God dictate what we think and what we believe. And so uh, that's just an important little side note I had to learn. Um, but what does this verse mean? Okay, so let's get specific. What is the context of what is going on? Okay, stick with me. This is going to be a little bit technical because this is kind of hard to figure out. People argue we're going to figure it out tonight, okay? We're going to figure it out. Just kidding. Um, just kidding. But I think we can. So Jesus is talking with this woman about worship, right? And, he, and he, uh, she asks him the question. She says, listen, where, do we, where are we supposed to worship God? Are we supposed to worship here on this mountain? Because that's what we believe. Or you Jews say you should worship in Jerusalem. So which one is it? And Jesus says, neither. You're getting it wrong altogether it's not, a, he's, he's correcting her worship here. And he says, you worship what you don't even know and you think it matters where people worship. And he's saying, you're wrong. You worship what you don't know and you think it matters where people worship. So Jesus is correcting two things. Listen, he's correcting the where of worship, not this mountain, not Jerusalem, but what? But in spirit. And he's correcting the who of worship, You guys are worshiping who you don't know, but worship has to be done in truth about who God is. So listen, Jesus is in the context of this conversation is saying true worship isn't done in a place. It's not done in Jerusalem. It's not done in the temple. The proper place of worship is your spirit. The proper environment, the proper place where you are to worship God isn't going to church, isn't going on a mission trip. It's to worship him like from your own heart, from your own soul, from your own spirit, from within. That is the proper place of worship. And true worship isn't done with your heart and your spirit alone. It's to be done according to the truth of who God is. So what Jesus is saying to this woman And to us is true worship should be done in spirit and in truth. That's what he's saying here. That's what the context he's correcting. It's not about a place. 
It's about your, your spirit is where you worship God. And it's not about, you know, whatever you want. You have to worship God in truth. And I really do believe that is what this verse is saying. Now, it's not true that the Holy Spirit has no place in our worship. We know that from a hundred other verses. But here, Jesus is saying true worship is done in your own spirit, and it's to be done according to the word and truth of God. So let's get practical. What does it mean to worship in spirit? Okay, well, Jesus' point is worship is not primarily external. It's not based on a place. It's not based on an outward show. It's not based primarily on what you're doing with your hands and with your body and your environment. That's not what worship primarily is. And that's radical because every other religion, that, that kind of is what worship is, right? Like you got to go to the right place to the right person and do the right sacrifice and people will travel to get to a place. And Jesus is saying, that's not, when you worship me now because I've come, you are the temple of God and worship is done as, as an inward thing primarily. Now, when you love God and your heart and your soul is worshiping him, it, it will usually lead to a physical expression like David was dancing in his underwear and his wife was mad at him for it. The, a woman poured out all this, like a year's worth of perfume. Like that was a physical act and everyone's like, what is she doing? An out, outward expression will usually come, but it is not the root, the foundation, the true place of worship. Worship comes from this inward place in your spirit to God. And here's why this is important. God hates heartless worship. God hates when we simply sing the song and raise our hands and do what we're supposed to do and our own spirit is not communing with him. He actually says he hates that kind of worship. In the Old Testament, uh, God's people were not walking with him. Their, their heart wasn't true towards him, but they were like, okay, but we'll still do all the stuff. And they did the sacrifices and they did the festivals. And God says, I hate your worship. I don't want bulls. I don't want goats. I want your heart to be right before me. And I want to be honest, you guys. I lived for many, many years worshiping on the pure external, like many years. And I just have to testify, when you do that, when you, your worship is, yeah, I got to sing and I got to bow and I got to raise my hands, but my heart is far from God, you end up like hating worship. And you end up even hating on some level the Lord and you resent him because you're like, why do I have to do this stuff? My heart is not in it. And what I needed was a true heart, a true spirit before the Lord. And so I just want to, it's important for us to ask ourselves: do I worship and just sing and raise my hands because like I, I'm, this is what I'm supposed to do and this is what Christians do, but your heart isn't in it? And, and listen, I just want to free you. Don't even bother doing the external if your heart is not in it. It's miserable and it doesn't please God. It may make people think you're worshiping, but honestly, you guys, that is not enough to keep you worshiping God. It is not enough to raise your hands and sing so that people think you're a Christian. That is not enough. And I think if your heart is there, what you need to do is just be really honest with the Lord and honest with people around you. Like, man, my heart is not in this. Hey, friend, my heart is not in this. God, my heart is not in this. I need a new heart. I need you to do something on the inside first. And what a shame to be like the Pharisees who had it externally dialed. And Jesus said, but on the inside, you're like, you're full of dead man's bones. Like, what a shame to live our life 
doing the right stuff, but our heart is far from Jesus. And so Jesus says, true worshipers worship me from their spirit, in their spirit. Their spirit is worshiping me. And then true worship is in spirit and in truth. I want to say this. This is so good. Sometimes people um, will accuse, you know what, like theology and just thinking hard. It's like it kills worship. So don't, don't worry about that. Just love the Lord. That's all you need. But I want you to know that the more you know about God, the more you can worship God. The more you know about him, the more you have reason to worship him. The bigger and more powerful and deeper and sovereign you see God to be, the more you're like, God is amazing. I have to worship him. And so, you know, many of us, and that, this is like a lifelong journey. Many of us don't know many things about God. And, and we read this book and we're like, I don't even get it. Listen, I just want to encourage you, like, try to know stuff. Try to like learn about who God is. It will be worth it in your worship. The bigger God is, the more your spirit will worship him. And, and here's one of the, the what happens when we, we look at God, because God is not like us, and we are all prone to like project who God is in our own image. Like, yeah, God would do this. God wouldn't do this. And actually limits our worship. When you actually see who God is, I just want to, I want to say the first thing that happens when, when someone in the Bible like saw who God was, the first thing they did was like fell on their face and they were humbled and they were quiet. And I just think that's really profound. There's a place for uh, being loud and excited and worshiping that's biblical. But I think the first thing that should happen when we learn truth about God is like this like humbling, like, oh my gosh, God is amazing. Like, do you remember Isaiah, when he saw God in Isaiah 6? It says, in the year of uh, King Uzziah, I saw the Lord, which, what does that mean? Because he should have died, but he saw the Lord on some level. And he said, the train of his robe filled the temple. And it said, like, his glory and all the angels. And it just said, he fell on his face. This was like a man of God. He fell on his face and he said, woe is me, for I am a man of unclean lips and I live in a people of unclean lips. You know, the first thing that happens when you truly learn about who God is, is you are humbled before the Lord. And, and, and all of a sudden, do you know what really concerns you? Is your sin. Because you're like, look at God and his holiness. And who am I? I know who I am. And like, look at my sin. And it should concern you when you see God and his holiness and you know who you are. And uh, one of my friends showed me this quote from, I forget, this, anyways, this is a true thing. When revival happens, you guys, revival happens when people get a bigger picture of the glory of God. And then the next step is like, oh my gosh, I, woe is me. And do you know what the next step is? Seeing the beauty of Jesus who came to take away your sin. And that's exactly what happened to Isaiah. He was like, woe is me. And then an angel came and he took a coal from what? Do you remember anybody? An altar, an altar, and it came and it cleansed him. You guys, that is like, that is the process. I see God. I'm like undone. 
Then I hear about Jesus, the grace of God who came for me in spite of my sin. And this holy God says, I want to make you clean. And then you worship him. And then you go on mission for him. Then Isaiah's like, hey, I'll go send me. That's the progression of personal revival. That's the progression of like big picture revival. When we get more truth about God and his glory, we're more broken over our sin. Then we see the blood of Jesus to be incredible. And then we worship him. And then we pour out our lives to him. And so it is so good and right to do hard work and try and be like, God, who are you? And what are you like that my worship will increase? That is part of worship. And then the, other, the last thing I'll say here is this. To worship God in truth means, this is awesome. We get to look to his truth to say, what is worship? And a couple things that this book says, hey, is you're supposed to dance when you worship. I know some people get uncomfortable with that. That's in the Bible. That's part of what it is to worship. We're to shout when we worship. That's in the Bible. We're to raise our hands. We're to bow our heads. We're also to be still. We're to, I love Psalms says like, you just list constant instruments, instruments, instruments. True worship is like a lot of instruments on the stage and loud instruments and clashing cymbals. Like biblical, we should look to this book and get permission for how we're supposed to worship. For some of you, like what may freak you out, the Bible says, hey, the spirit should be moving in such a way that there's prophecy, that there's tongues, interpretation, that people are getting healed and set free. Like that's from the Bible. That's from the truth of God. So we should let his truth teach us what true worship looks like. And so worship is to be done in our spirit and in truth. Now, I, I, I love a picture that uh, a pastor said when I was studying this of what, of like what worship is, and it's this. Okay, the place of worship is our spirit. And our spirit picture is like a furnace. Like, you know, we don't really have furnaces anymore, but like this old, like metal, whatever, furnace in a house. That place is your spirit. Picture you have like a furnace inside, okay? That's, the, that's you worshiping in spirit. And then the wood, the fuel is truth about God. Okay, so picture like I'm learning about God. I'm putting wood in the furnace. And the more I learn, the more fuel I have for my worship. So you have this furnace, your spirit. You put all the truth in there, the, the word and truth of God. Yet like, what are you missing in that equation? If you just had a furnace full of wood, what are you missing? Well, you're missing fire, right? And we know from the Bible who and what is the fire? The spirit of God comes and ignites that fire in your soul. And that is worship. And I love that even in John, God, he, he gives us this picture. John 3, 6 says this, just listen. That which is born of the flesh is flesh. And that which is born of the spirit, capital S, is spirit. So listen, in John, he's saying, your spirit can't even be born unless the Holy Spirit comes and gives your spirit life. Like, Every human and many, like every human who is born in some sense is dead on the inside spiritually. And John 3, 6 says, listen, you need the spirit to come give life to your spirit. And so you get this furnace and you have truth, but you need the spirit of God to give you life and ignite worship. And so if I were to sum up worship, worship is our spirit united with the Holy Spirit according to the truth of God. It's like very like technical, but I think that's what true worship is. True worship is our spirit, this furnace, full of the truth of God. And then the Holy Spirit comes and brings life. And that is worship to God. 
the Spirit is moving and is igniting the truth. And so as we keep learning truth, we have more fuel and the, the context is our own spirit on the inside. And so I just want to ask you, okay, if that is true worship, where are you lacking? Like if that's the picture, are you, are you, not, are you focused on like external? Are you like you're trying to make the furnace somewhere else? Are you all about the outside? Are you, are you lacking truth in that furnace about God? Are you lacking the Holy Spirit? Are you like full of truth? Like your furnace is crammed, but like there's no, there's like the Spirit's not really bringing that to life. And I just want to say, as we are worshiping tonight, I want, I want you to ask Jesus, Lord, give me more of what I'm lacking. Give me more of what I'm lacking. Is it truth? Is it the Holy Spirit? Am I just focused on the externals? Like, God, I want to worship you. I want to be a true worshiper in spirit and truth. And, and I want to close with the last two verses. And Jesus, or the woman, hears all of this. And she's kind of like, you know, she's listening, but she kind of like disregards it. And she says in verse 25, the woman said to him, I know that Messiah is coming. He's called Christ. When he comes, he will tell us all things. I just love that because she's like, I don't know about you. When, when the Messiah comes, he'll tell me. And then I love what Jesus says. Jesus said to her, I who speak to you am he. I just love that. Jesus is like, hey, I know. I'm the Messiah. And this is the first time we, we're pretty sure that Jesus reveals his identity explicitly to somebody. I'm the Messiah. And, and you know, some people even say, did Jesus know he was his Messiah? Well, there you have it. I am he. He knew who he was, the Messiah. And he knew what he was called to do. He was sent by the Father. I, I love it. It says, the Father is seeking true worshipers. Like God is seeking, looking for worshipers. And that's what Jesus, that's what this story is. This is God looking for worshipers and making a worshiper. And, and, and who's he making a worshiper of? Like this woman who has had five husbands and is currently living and sleeping with a man who's not her husband. I think that is profound. Jesus is the Messiah and he's coming on a mission from God to seek worshipers, and he goes out of his way to talk to a woman like this. This, this woman, is exactly the kind of person God looks for to make a true worshiper of. She didn't earn it. She didn't deserve it. She didn't get it right. She was in her sin, and God pursued her and sought her and said, I want to make a true worshiper out of you. And do you know what that means? That's good news for us, right? That's good news for people like you and me, who, who often come into worship like, how could I worship God? I know who I am. I know what I've done. And we are just like this woman. And God is pursuing us through Jesus saying, I know who you are and I know your sin and I love you and I will go to the cross and take away your sin that you could be a worshiper. Whenever you are struggling in worship, remember this woman. Remember that she was full of sin and she didn't go find God. God came and sought her through the Messiah and said, I want to make a worshiper out of you. Look to this woman when you feel condemned, when the, the accuser says, look at your sin and remember that we have a Messiah who came from heaven to break down the, the barrier between God and humanity. And he says, I want you to come to the presence of God, to a throne of grace where, where people who are sinful are welcomed to worship the Father. 
And as, as we are going to worship right now, I just, I'm just in awe that right now we get to be in the presence of God. That right now the Spirit of God, if you've trusted in Jesus, you, your own like body and spirit is a temple where, the, where God loves to be. In spite of your sin, the blood of Jesus covers you and you are now a temple. And, and let's, let's, like, let's enjoy and press in and worship. Let's let our spirit say like, God, I love you and I need you. If some of you are like, you feel like there's sin in the way, confess that sin. We're gonna have prayer team. We're gonna have, listen, something I, I want for us to grow in on Fridays is for us to like be honest and real with our friends and people who are around us. Like, hey, I, I'm in this sin right now. I, I wanna confess that. And then the other person says, hey, the blood of Jesus covers you and forgives you, and let's pray together. Like, like we together have been gifted by the Holy Spirit to love and minister one, to one another. And so as we, as we come into to God's presence specifically to sing and worship this way, let's love on one another. Let's get prayer. We're going to have communion to remember what Jesus did. He was broken for you. And, and if, you, um, if you're in this spot where you're like, man, I'm dry, I'm dead, I don't, I don't want to worship Let's remember what Jesus said to her last week. Hey, I have come to give living water. I have come. If you're thirsty, come to me. Just come and try me and see how I will satisfy you. Like Jesus can turn your dead heart, little furnace in here, and he can, he can make it alive. And he can satisfy you more than anything else that's on your throne right now. He is the only one who says, come to me, and not only will you be satisfied, your little heart, it's, it's another metaphor, will become a fountain, and it from within you will come life and satisfaction and joy. You don't have to go to other things to, for satisfaction. Like, come to me, and it will come from within. So I'm gonna pray for us, and then let's, let's worship. Let's, let's press in to be true worshipers tonight. Jesus, thank you that you are the Messiah that you know all things, that you have come from heaven to make a way for us, people like us, who are just like this woman, to be forgiven and satisfied and accepted and true worshipers. God, thank you that, that by nature we are worshipers and that there is only one, one person who is enough for us. Jesus, nothing else sitting on our throne is enough. It's too small. Anything else we worship is unsatisfying. It will let us down. It's a small, false God. But you are enough. You are big enough to be, you are enough for us to worship you. And we will never run out of things to worship you for. So Holy Spirit, please come. Please help us to worship you in spirit and in truth. Ignite all these things we have heard into true worship. God, I pray that we would um, be honest with you, we'd be honest with one another, that this room would be full of prayer, this room would be full of prophecy and visions and healing, and, and it would be full of, of true worship from the Spirit, God. Would you rid us of any external like thing that's not true and of you? Would, would this place tonight not be this weird religious thing where we're looking at one another and we're comparing and we're thinking about the outside? Would we worship you in spirit? Would the truest worship come from within our own spirit to you, God? Something that only you can know and only you can see. Would you make us true worshipers of you now, God?